want to explain to you um, where we are and what this all means. From the beginning of time, men and women, when they wanted to get close to God, you know, they would go up on top of a mountain. Um, it's not difficult to understand why they would do that. Um, when we're up here looking at the stars, you're above everything else. You feel closer to the heavens. Think about um, what the scripture says. Where did the Garden of Eden exist? All we know is that uh, a river flowed out of the Garden of Eden that became four other rivers, and um, often headwaters of rivers are up in a mountain. So it's very possible that the Garden of Eden was in a high place somewhere. They met with God. You know, later when God chose a, a loser like me and like you uh, named Abram, he was an idol worshiper, he was an idolater, he was a pagan, and God says, I'm going to choose him from among the nations, I'm going to do some great things. And you know, Abraham's faith was very, very consistent, because he didn't have much of it, okay? Um, he didn't have much faith. Uh, God said, I'm going to give you a son, and he said, I got none, he said, look up at the stars. Can you count them? That, that's how many your descendants will be. And he says, I don't, I don't have one yet. And so his faith was, faith was tested, and he tried to get a son his own way. And God said, no, that's not what I was going to do. And he gave him a son when he was 100 years old, as good as dead. And they called his son laughter because that's what they did when God made the promise that he was going to have a son. And then after he has a son, he says, hey, take your son and go on a trip. And uh, I want you to go up to a mountain called Moriah. And that is where we are in Camp Eagle. This is our Mount Moriah. And uh, Abraham and his son Isaac came up on this mountain, Mount Moriah. Uh, and they built an altar. And God says, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. He said, okay, kind of the first time in Abraham's life where his faith was strong, his faith was severe, his faith was there, and he uh, almost went through with it, and God said, stop, thank you, I was testing you in your faith, and it pleases me to see that, and so, hey, there's a ram over there caught in a bush, don't sacrifice your son, sacrifice that ram to me. And so they went and did that and laid it on this altar that they built, and that was on Mount Moriah. Okay. Several hundred years later, Moses gets with the people, and he meets with God. And where does he meet with God? On a mountain, right? Mount Sinai. Meets with him like a friend, and he stays up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and uh, that's where it happens, on a mountain. Back in Israel, David is now king, and he messes up. He numbers the people and gets a bunch of pride, and God says, you've sinned against me. I'll tell you what, you got some choices. How bad's it going to be? And a pestilence comes on the whole nation of Israel. 70,000 people die. Thank you very much, David. And um, the plague stops on top of a mountain, just happened to be the same mountain as Mount Moriah. On top, 
there was a threshing floor owned by a guy named Baruna, and uh, Runa had a threshing floor, so when the wind would blow by, he would thresh his wheat up in the air, and the chaff would blow away, and the seed would fall down, and this was Aruna, and up there, David and all his kings come, and they're praying, God, would you stop the pestilence, and God, through his angel, says, it's finished. It is finished. It's enough. And that was on the threshing floor of Aruna on top of Mount Moriah, the same exact spot where this altar used to be with Abraham and Isaac. And so David says, I want to buy that from you, Aruna. And Aruna says, no, you don't need to pay for it. David says, yes, I'm going to pay for it. And so he buys it and gives it to his son, Solomon. And what do you think Solomon did on it? He built his temple right on that very spot. That became the heart of the city of Jerusalem. And on that very spot was the Holy of Holies. Um, You entered the temple from the outside. You went through a court where everybody could go, and then a court where only Gentiles could go, then a court where only the priests could go, and then you came to the building itself. And there were two big rooms in the building, the holy place on the outside, That had the big menorah candelabra, the light, table of showbread, a little altar of incense, and a big curtain. On the inside of that room was the second room. It's called what? The Holy of Holies. In Solomon's temple, it was 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. A perfect cube, solid gold. And that's where this piece of furniture was, the Ark of the Covenant. On top are cherubim. Above it, in the room, are cherubim. Embroidered on the curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place is a purple curtain embroidered with cherubim. Okay? Where did we first see cherubim? Do you remember? We first see cherubim in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve are kicked out, you remember they, uh, God has to guard the way back into the Garden of Eden. What does he put there at the entrance back into the Garden of Eden? He puts cherubim, winged angels with a really big sword of flame that flashes in all directions. Cherubim guard the way back into the presence of God. And so you see now where Mount Moriah was, where the pestilence and plague and death stopped during the time of David. And David's God, through his angel, said, it is finished. He gave that to Solomon. Solomon built the temple, and the presence of God rests on top of that ark, and there are cherubim there. There are cherubim over it. There are cherubim on the curtain that separates the holy of holies from the holy place. And all that we can see when we try to get back to the presence of God is what? Cherubim. These winged angels. Because they remind us that we can't get back into the presence of God anymore. From the moment that Adam and Eve get kicked out of the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, we're all trying to get back. That's the most important place to be. We're all trying to get back into the presence of God. And every time we approach the temple, God says, you can't hold me in a house. Are you serious? Really? I created the heavens and the earth. You're going to build me a house? Honestly, think about that. Can I fit in a house? 
He said, but I'm, I want you to build me a house because I, I'm going to choose to make my name dwell there. And where the presence of God on earth was, was on top of that box, in top of this room that was 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits of solid gold, a cube of gold, right? I was about your age, um, many of you, when I was asleep in my room in the middle of the night, and my mom burst through the door, and in a very, very flustered, half-crying, half-scared, half-weeping sort of voice, she said in this very, very scary voice that I'd never heard my mom before, she grabbed the door, uh, the handle of my door, I always slept with it open, and she looked at me in the middle of the bed, and she said, no matter what happens, do not come out of this room, and she slammed the door. I remember not moving a muscle. From that moment, I started to hear voices running up and down the hall of my house um, that I didn't recognize. I started to hear voices outside of my house, outside the window of my room. I started to hear lots of movement. We live at least 45 minutes from a hospital in my hometown, and sooner or later, I saw red and blue flashing lights outside my window in the dark of the night. And still, I laid there as still as I possibly could, obeying my mother. Do not come out of this room. I must have laid there for hours. I had no idea what was going on. If I ever wanted somebody to come rescue me, that was the time. If I ever wanted somebody to come tell me good news, that was the time. Eventually, a neighbor that I wasn't even close to, came and opened my door and sat gingerly on the edge of my bed and said, Scott, your father has had uh, a seizure in his bed and um, there's lots of blood because he's chewed up his tongue and we had no idea what was going on and so he's in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and the Paramedics say he's going to be okay, but that is what's happened, and we need to get dressed so that we can go to the hospital. If I ever had a moment where I needed somebody to come in and give me good news, that was it. I wanted somebody to come and rescue me, right? In the end of our story in the book of Revelation, we are desperate for some good news. We are desperate for someone to come rescue us. And we see rescue in a person. And you know what happens in the end? Let me tell you. This is absolutely beautiful. Not only does Solomon build his temple on this very spot, but right outside, down the hill of this city, is where Jesus is crucified. A couple of years ago at camp when we were going through the Gospels, that's where Jesus was crucified, right over there just off, just away from the hill of Mount Moriah, on the same spot, just down the way. You know what happened the moment that he died on that cross inside the temple? Think about it. 
all that separates us and reminds us that we can't get back into the presence of God anymore is this purple curtain with the cherubim and the cherubim on top of the ark and the cherubim hovering over the ark. Everywhere we go, every time we get close to God, we're reminded we can't get back into his presence anymore. But the moment Jesus died on the cross, the temple of the curtain the temple, the curtain of the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the most holy place, what happened to it? Do you know that that curtain was as thick as a man's hand? Historians wrote about it that if you hooked up teams of horses to one side of it and teams of horses to the other and pulled in each direction, that not even that could rip that curtain. It was heavy. It was thick. It was almost 50 feet high in, in the new Herod's temple in Jesus' day. And yet, at the moment Jesus died with the cherubim embroidered on it, it ripped from top to bottom. Now tell me, how does man, how does anything else other than God himself rip a curtain like that from top to bottom? And all of a sudden, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God on earth is open to us. In the end of our story in Revelation chapter 21, he says, I looked up and I saw coming a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And God said a loud voice from the throne, behold, the tabernacle of God is now among men. That means that the presence of God is among men. Do you know what the shape of the city of the new Jerusalem is? It's a perfect cube made out of gold. It's not 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. It's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles and 1,500 miles high. And so every believer of all time can live with God forever inside the Holy of Holies. 1,500 miles is from Houston, Texas to the Pacific Ocean. From Houston, Texas, north to Canada. 1,500 miles straight up. If the International Space Station were to collide with that, and we separated 1,500 miles into 10 floors, it would crash in right in between the first and second floor. It's a really, really big city. And that's where we get to live. That's where believers of all time get to live. And God says, behold, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. You remember what Jesus said on the cross when he died? It's the same thing that God's angel said on this very spot when that pestilence was ending. He said, it is finished. I've already written the end of the story. My redemption of my people has already been purchased. The future is done. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for more people to come to know me, for more people to put their faith in me. My kindness leads them to repentance, and I'm waiting for them to come. And then the end will come, and I'll make all things right. I'll wipe every tear from every eye and the curse will be over. There'll be no more night. 
There's no more need for sun or moon because the lamb in the middle of the temple is the light. So how all of those beautiful pieces come together, only God can write that story. How all of that beautiful significance and meaning comes together and includes you and me, only God can write that story. Only God can do that thing. So that's where we are here. Symbolically for us, it can't be in at Camp Eagle, this is Mount Moriah. This is where the temple is. This is where Jesus was crucified. This is where he's going to return just across the way, the Mount of Olives. And this is where the new Jerusalem will come down. This is where we will live with him forever in his presence. I'm not sure about you, but being out here looking up and around at all of the things that we've been talking about and remembering how big our God is. It's a special night. We want to give all our attention and focus to this great big God who loves us furiously. His grace is abundant for us. Thank you, God, for a night like this. I thank you, God, for every man and woman every student here. I pray, God, that you would still labor with us. I know that you will. Your patience is everlasting. Your patience is is long. You're long-suffering with us, and I pray, God, that you would still be gracious to us and bring us along. We would get to know you, that you would love us as much that um, you would do all the work that you want to in our life and that we would cooperate with you. Father, we give you this night. We, we, we marvel at your great love. We marvel at your great love for us, your patience with us, your kindness and mercy, the redemption and forgiveness you bought for us by the blood of your son, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you. Pray in Jesus' name.